Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. Welcome home, right? It's good to be here. First normal Sunday of 2023 is good to be in church. This is where we kick off our series titled Welcome Home, more than a, sl- more than a slogan, right? Uh, but we talk about the mission and the vision of the church. But before I do, if I haven't had the opportunity to connect with you or meet you yet, my name is Angel. I get to co-pastor this church with my husband, Lance. He is for sure the better side of this relationship. And up here we have with us... <laughs> Pastor Matt, who makes all the things happen. You know how, like, the worship team could be fire? Yeah. If you ever felt like, am I loved, you know. You know how the worship team could be great, but if the sound guy has them turned off, it don't matter. That's what this whole church looks like without Matt Kelly, so. Yeah, I'm taking the place for Pastor Anthony, who, um, much better looking, right? Can we just say much better looking? According to Katie. What's that? According to Katie. Uh, that's what she tells Anthony just to like, because she doesn't want to like lower his, his ego and stuff. So right. she feeds him a little bit. But Makes we sense. all know. We all know. Which, by the way, updates. Um, I texted him and he said they uh, gave her epidural. This was before service. Gave her an epidural. We're going to break her water within the hour. And so we could be sitting here right now and baby Isley could be welcomed into this world. And so it's happening. It's happening. And so... Uh, um, but yeah, it's, it's fun to be up here with you guys. First service was a blast. I'm looking forward to the second service. I was going to say first service, there were some one-liners that you can't repeat because then it would be unnatural, but um, we got to hear out of here late. Hey, if, you want, if you want to both, just come to both services. You never know. <laughs> you never, never know what you're going to get. So, Speaking of the team and our staff and our incredible leadership around here, I am so excited to welcome home new pastors. One is a returning pastor who we love and adore. Can we give it up for Phil and Emily Warda? They were with us on Christmas. They've been with us before. Phil is going to be our worship pastor, and Emily is coming on as our Connections pastor, and we cannot wait for them to get here. It's hard to not, like, handcuff them to stay at Christmas, We just can't right? get rid of it. We can't get rid of Emily. For, like, <laughs> she keeps coming back. She's like that magnet where it's just like, we just keep pulling her back in. So, because but I'm it's super good to excited be to have them there. Yeah, it was hard to see them leave over Christmas, um, and, but it's, it's going to be great to have them on the team. So look, super looking forward to having them. And I did try out for the role of worship pastor, but I was declined. So I just want you to know. Hard pass. Yeah. (laughs) You're getting someone not nearly, but probably so much more talented than I ever was. But I just want you to know I tried out, but they told me no. He doesn't know this, but we record his mic while he sings on Sunday morning. And he's like, hey, I want to audition. We're like, nah, bro. We're, We're good. We've heard enough. Thank you. Thank you for your heart for ministry. <laughs> no, I thought kidding. you were going to tell you, I I'm thought you were going to tell me you record me and then you, you just kind of dub me in like with baby face soundtracks yeah, and yeah, things like that. Like that's exactly what we yeah. do. Baby face. Yeah. Tony, Tony. I yes. was a part of boys to men back in the day. Just want everybody to know. I just want to say I'm supposed to be moderating this thing. So if y'all could just pray for me right now, it's going to be like buckle up. Okay. Cause that's where we're going. No, it is good. It's good to be home. It's good to welcome Emily back home and to just be a vital part of what's happening. And so as we, as we put this series together and as we talk about the mission of the church, let me just start by saying there is a lot of great churches. There's a lot of great places to find and follow Jesus. Uh, but what we did as a staff is we talked about the things in relation to our mission that we thought were most important. The things that when we talk about our relationship with Jesus and the life change that he brings and the way that we want to operate in our community. And we came up with nine questions that we're going to be covering over the next three weeks. Um, and so today we're going to cover questions, uh, three questions about relationships. And there's a lot of ways to have healthy, effective relationships, just the way there is a lot of ways to develop in the gifts and the skill sets that we want to have, right? It reminds me of when I was a kid growing up learning to play softball. For a while, it was like step and throw, 
step and throw. And so in my brain, I have it ingrained that you step and throw. The position of my foot matters on where that ball is going to go, which if you don't play ball, you don't realize. Or choke up on the bat. This is where you hold the bat. Choke up, choke up. Eventually, I got to a place where I didn't need to have somebody telling me to choke up on the bat because I knew where to hold it to get the most amount of power or impact to be able to hit the ball where I wanted it to go. I knew the position that my feet would need to be in to throw a ball or to swing the bat and make it stay in field, right? Um, I also remember just being a kid and our coach time and time again going, hey, and he'd call out names at random. There's, a, there's one out. There's a player at first and third. If the ball comes, comes to you, what are you doing with it? And so you needed to know, based on where you were positioned in the field, based on what was happening around you, what your next move was. Eventually, by the end of the season, our coach stopped saying that because we had already began to learn and grow at how we should look at the game, how to stay focused so that when times came for us to need to respond, we would know how and what to do. You've yeah, got your I, mic up. I, I love that because, uh, man, at the beginning of the year, it's, it's great to get back to the basics. What set Kobe Bryant, the late, great Kobe Bryant apart, was his commitment to the fundamentals, uh, doing the work that nobody else would do so the fundamentals became second nature. And so as we go through these questions, this is what we're doing, right? Yeah. We're refreshing and getting back to the basics uh, so that the fundamentals are what's priority because it's the foundation of what everything else is built upon. We can have a great worship night. We can have some great encounters with God, but if we don't have that foundation, um, it's, it's going to be for a moment. Absolutely. And it is just like with softball, just like with anything that we put our minds and our feet to do, asking the right questions, listening for the answers and the instructions, and then walking it out improves the quality of anything and everything that we're doing. And it's no different in our relationship with God. It's no different than the mission and the vision of this church, which is why we try to be so intentional to stay honed in and what God is calling Radiant Life Church to do. Not any other church in the community or the surrounding communities. What is God calling Radiant Life Church to do? And so we want to be curious. Ask curious questions. Stay engaged. If you don't know the answer, find somebody who does, somebody who will help you and navigate you on this journey. Jesus modeled it. He was asked over 100 times questions. He responded over 300 times with more questions. And so we know that our lives are shaped by the questions we ask and the answers we seek. And let me add, and then how we respond to those. So with that being said, all right, we're up here as a panel. I want you guys to let me know one question that has stuck with you and why. I think for me, right off the bat, um, this would have been right after Olivia was born and um, just a different season, right? Dad of three daughters, and um, someone was just challenging me, like, what kind of legacy do you want to leave for your children? And it, and it really hit me, like, what? I, I mean, she's a baby. She's a newborn, so I'm not really thinking about legacy. I'm just thinking about, you know, how do I change a poopy diaper? And yet, this question challenged me with, what do I want to leave behind? And the reason it challenges me, because, man, if I, if I want to leave something behind, I have to live it now. Right? It wasn't, well, I'm just going to prepare in 13, 14 years from now, then I'll start preparing for what I want to leave behind. No, that, that question, man, changed my thought process. And not only did it change my thought process, but it, it changed the values and the way that I want to live. Because if I want to leave something, I have to live something. Right? And so for me, that was the question that, that, really, that, that really spoke to me and shaped me uh, in that season of my life. I know, for me, I've got two um, really along the same lines as Pastor Lance. But the first question was, do you take this woman to be your wife? <laughs> and again, you need to finish that up. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it was the best decision I've ever there made. There you go. Okay. There, all the women and the wives in the room are like, buddy, you better follow that yeah, up quickly. No, no. The best decision. Um, funny story on our wedding. The other, the other, this is my other question. It just made me think of it. My father-in-law did our wedding, and there was a moment in our wedding where he looks at me and says, what token do you have of this marriage? And I'm like, I'm a guy. I'm dumb, right? I'm like, token? What, was I supposed to bring something? And he's like, a ring? Oh, yeah, a ring. I got one of those. And I pull it out. But it was in the middle. I'm like, he said token, and I blanked. I blanked. She still said I do as well, so I'm thankful. Did, the other one. I do well, have a question yeah. before you go on. Did she pause before she said I do? I'm just, I'm just um, asking for a friend. There may have been. I was oblivious to it, okay, but there probably was. There were probably a lot of thoughts going on in her head. <laughs> the second question for me, uh, again, along what Pastor Lance was saying, was um, 14 years ago, I got asked a question, do you want to cut the cord? 
when my daughter was born, it changed my life. And at that moment, um, at that moment, it's like, yeah, it's, this life's not about me anymore. I've got, like, young people that I am now responsible for. Okay, but the big question is, because I think the people on, in this room want to know the answer. Everybody wants to know. Did you cut the cord? No, no. And I'm why? not even coming close. And why? There, and why? Oh, there was, there was a sheet between me and what was going on, and I'm like, I'm not crossing that sheet. <laughs> that, that sheet's there for a reason. I don't need to know what's on the other side. I see a baby, healthy, good. That's all I need to know. But two, the other reason is um, same, same way I feel about melting pot. People love the melting pot. I don't care for the melting pot because I'm, I'm not paying somebody else for me to cook my own food. I'm not paying a doctor thousands of dollars for me to do his job. No, you can cut it. You've gone through the training. Matt Kelly, everyone. You're not, you're not going to botch it up. If, if my daughter had a messed up belly button, I'd have to live with that for the rest of my life. <laughs> but as far as I know, her belly button's normal. Annalise, is your belly button okay? You got normal, normal belly button. See? Well worth the money. If I would have done it, who knows? He wanted that doctor I'm, to stay I'm on mission. I'm curious, how many of you men, that was the thought that went through your mind when you were cutting the cord that you would jack up their belly button? One other yep. person yep. in the room. I love that. So that's the difference in personality. I cut all the cords, and then by the third one, I was like, mm-hmm. no, nah, I won't do it with my teeth. I'll use the scissors. We're good. That's, that is so nasty. Back to mission. Back to mission. Again, y'all pray for me. I've got to facilitate this nonsense. No. Truly, though, it is, it is good. It is good to work with people that I love, that we have fun, that we get along, that are more than just professionals and colleagues, but they're friends. And so I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that our mission stays on track with what happens behind the scenes and in our office. And if you haven't heard it yet, it's plastered everywhere in simple form and long form, but I just want to have you experience that. The mission of Radiant Life Church is to see people come into a real relationship with Jesus that we would walk with them through their life change and that we would be involved in community, serving our community both inside and outside the walls of the church. That's what we're here for. That's what we exist for. And that's what we want to partner with. And so with that, again, we have developed a few questions that we are going to dive into. And Pastor Matt, you've got the first one. Yeah. First question is, is answering, uh, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? If you polled like a hundred people on the streets today, you'd probably get a hundred different responses. Because this is a polarizing question. A lot of people are not sure who Jesus is. Uh, In fact, Barna did a study back in 2017 um, where he found out that 93% of Americans believe that Jesus was a real person, which is kind of hard to um, go against the historical fact that he was a real person. There's uh, evidence outside of Scripture that says he was a real person. However, those 93%, 44% believe that Jesus was only a religious or spiritual leader or are unsure of who he was. 56% believe that he was Jesus' God. But then when you take that, which is alarming, almost half of the people are not sure who Jesus was. But then even on top of that, 76% uh, believe that either Jesus sinned or are unsure if he lived a sinless life. So here we have the Son of God who lived a sinless life. I mean, our salvation is, is predicated upon that fact that he lived a sinless life to take our place. And 76% are unsure if Jesus lived a sinless life. So it's a polarizing. Some people believe he's a good person, great teacher, um, a model or an inspiration to go after, a revolutionary. Um, some people believe he was just a man. And some people don't believe he existed at all. Who, do you, who did you guys think that you, what have you heard or maybe what were your thoughts on who Jesus is? Yeah, I didn't grow up in the church. So that being said, I still knew about Jesus. I had heard the story like Jesus died on a cross for my sins. And when I say story, story at that time, because that's all it was to me. Um, And while I was raised to believe that like this was true and this was God's son, um, having no knowledge of him, I also felt shame when his name was mentioned as though this was a judgmental God, that this was somebody who, if I didn't act right, something was about to go down that wasn't good. And so for me, that's what I thought about him until I got to know him. And then I realized, oh, he is judge, but he is not judgmental. And so much so that Jesus loves me enough that, yeah, he knows what I'm doing, but he takes away my shame. So he came to be God, to see our sin, 
and then to take it away through his death on the cross. And so for me, it was a huge shift in my preconceived idea versus what the truth of his word is. What about you? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, uh, just like my wife, not being raised in church, but not having any, any church history or culture to, to know, um, you know, when you would mention God, like I didn't have a concept of the Trinity. So like Jesus, Holy Spirit, God, I, you know, couldn't grasp. Uh, so I knew that he was, let's say, creator and he was powerful, but he wasn't personal, right? So there was a belief in a higher power or a belief in, in something greater than myself, but there wasn't a belonging because it wasn't personal. I didn't understand or have a concept. It was, uh, it was more of a sure, yeah, because it didn't make sense everything else. And so I was like, yeah, there has to be. But not believing nor understanding was, was drastically different. Yeah. So an impersonal God, he's out there somewhere, he's doing something, but yeah. Um, the great thing is, is that Jesus doesn't leave this a mystery. He's very clear in his word who he is. And in fact, we're going to pick up and look at Matthew chapter 16, verses 13, where it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say this, or who do people say the son of man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. They were confused. They didn't know. Uh, just as we get many answers today, they had many answers and guesses. Then he asked them, who do you say that I am? And this is the moment where it gets real. This is the moment where Jesus begins to define the relationship. I remember being in college and starting to date my wife. Um, we had been friends for a couple months prior to and uh, started dating and it wasn't very long into the relationship that I called her on the phone from my dorm room and said, listen, I've dated before. I've been around the relationship block before. I'm not, I'm not looking just to have a good time. I'm in this because there I see something in you. There's something that, that I love that I could spend the rest of my life with you. That's what I'm looking for. And, think, and I'm just telling her, I'm like, I, I don't have time. I'm not messing around. Like, if you're not in it for that, that's cool. He said, let's fish or cut bait. Oh, yeah. We, yeah, exactly. And, um, and so I'm like, if that's not something you want to do, that's cool. Like, I'll move on. You can move on. We can do whatever. But we had to define the relationship. And it was from that moment on, it's like it became real. And she said, yeah, I'm good. I'm down. I'm like, let's be honest. We went to Central Bible College, but they called it Central Bridal College. So we all know why Kim was there. Like, she says it was to get Bible degree, and, oh, God called me. And we like, all know why you were there. Yeah, you, Did God you just not you. Yeah. say, first of all, don't put Kim on blast. She's over there <laughs> loving our kids. We all know why he was there. He's like, oh, that's the initials. I'm going to go marry up. She and, said yes. Yeah. So we were good. I, she's regretted ever since. But she did say yes. No, I'm just kidding. But have you guys had any moments where you've had to define your relationships? Yeah, I think for mine, it was seeing Pastor Lance for who he was. So in the beginning, I was like, I'm not interested in dating. This is not going to be a thing. So we um, hung out a couple times, and I knew that he was interested in me. I had gotten out of a really bad relationship, and I was like, no, like, nice guy. We'll hang out, but this, is, this ain't going to be it. And then one day, I was leaving. He's making this face. You already know what I'm about to say next. This is a testament to who you are. Also, almost 26 years of marriage, baby. We worked it out. So let's hit that rock. Um, but I remember uh, getting ready to walk home from my friend's house, and he was over there as well. And it was a really bad snowstorm, Northeast Ohio. It's just how we do it around here. And um, it was crazy snow, and I was just going to walk home. It was just several doors down, not a big deal. And he's like, no, 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 no you don't need to walk home. And he like goes out to his car and he cleans his car off. And he's like, I'll drive you. And I was like, what is wrong with me that I am like holding out on this guy who's actually nice? Because in the beginning, I just didn't know what to do with him. Before Jesus, Lance has always been a good person. Um, but I was like, I don't know what to do with somebody who's nice. Like somebody needs to fight with me, say something mean to me. I don't get it. And he just came and redeemed that for me. And it was a time where I had to evaluate the relationship. Like, what am I actually looking for, and, and what am I going to pursue? Because the rubber met the road at that moment. Yeah. I think Aww. what's... what's we had some awes in the audience. Those yeah. are the romantics. I think what's great about that is, is Lance has been serving you ever since, right? Absolutely. Like he, is, he is there to pick you up when you're down. He is always going that extra mile, and it's just who he is. And so that, that's fantastic. Pastor Lance, what about you? 
Um, absolutely nothing. <laughs> after all those accolades, I have absolutely nothing. So, um, yes, yeah, she Your defined, heart is a puddle of mush right is. now. I'm lost at a loss for words. That was defining the relationship. She said yes, and I married way, 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 way up. That, that's awesome. And, and so we all, we all have relationships that have to be defined at some point in time. That's exactly what Jesus is doing here, where he asks not just the question of who do you say, but who am I to you? And that's a question we all have to answer. That's a foundational question for all of us. And it's not something that our parents can answer for us. It's not something that our pastors can answer for us or our friends or colleagues. It's something that we have to answer for ourselves. And uh, carrying on, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You do not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. There's two things I love about that. One is that God revealed who Jesus was to him. And so we're going to talk about how do we get to know Jesus here in a second, but just making note of that, that it is God who reveals. We can go through our whole life, but until we come to that moment where God reveals who Christ is, everything changes. But we have to answer that. And then secondly, when Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus is like, good, now I can build my church on you. Now I can use you. Now I can do something. So it matters who, when we identify because it's the foundation that Christ wants to build on. We can't go through this life serving God if he's not Lord of our life. And so um, it's something we can't escape. It's a foundational question. And it leaves us really with three responses, according to, to C.S. Lewis, the late uh, theologian and writer. He said... Jesus, by his claim, is either a lunatic, which means he was crazy, which his brothers and family thought at the moment that he, he was. I mean, you go around telling people like, hey, eat my flesh, drink my blood. It's cool. It's normal. No worries. No worries, man. It sounds a little bit crazy. So either he was a lunatic or he was a liar because he made multiple claims that he was God and he was the Messiah and made those claims. Um, and have people believe it that they have died and martyred throughout the centuries believing that lie, or he's Lord. But the thing is, is he can't, he can't be a mixture of those. Right. He's one or he's none, right? And so sometimes we want to worship him as Lord on Sunday, but treat him like liar and lunatic on Monday. We can't have it both ways. Like when we answer that question, we have to answer, if he's Lord, I'm going to be Lord. I had a pastor one time told me, he's like, man, I came to a point in my life, I had to make a decision. If I'm going to serve God, I'm going to serve him with everything I have. He's going to be Lord of my life. And if not, I'm going to sin as good as I can. There's going to be no in between because it's not worth it. There's one hand where it's like if he's not Lord, you're in this, this limbo area, right, of like I'm trying to please God, but I'm also living in the world. It's like cut the strings. If you're going to sin, sin. But if you're going to follow Jesus, make the commitment to make him Lord of your life. Because how we see and experience Jesus shapes how we see and experience everything in our life. That's right. It's That's foundational. Good. That's good. Pastor Lance, what's your question? Uh, the question is, how can I know Jesus? Right, so who is Jesus? And then the second question is, how can I know Jesus? Right, think about it for a moment. Maybe, maybe this is your first church experience. You, you're watching online and you're like, man, I just stumbled across this, you know, this stream and how can I know him, right? What is he all about? People will say, and I've heard, right, people say he's, he's full of love and he's grace and he's mercy and he's, he's kind and he's, he's generous and he's, he's, he's full of hope and, man, the love that he has, that he would give his life, uh, are those true? Are those true? And how do we know if we don't get to know him? Is salvation found in, in him alone, right? When we do water baptisms, we talk about the old self, right, dying in the new self, right, that, that, that symbolic nature of our sinful nature staying in and, and, a, and the new us coming out, is, it, is that true, right? And so how do we know if we never get to know him? How do we, how do we know if the, the identity that we can receive from him would be accurate? And that's because we get to know him. All throughout scripture, we see on biblical account after biblical account of people who, who came to know Jesus in crazy ways and got to know him in crazy ways. I think about Peter. Peter is a fisherman. And one day, you know, he's out doing his, he's out doing his job, his career, and Jesus is like, hey, follow me. Peter drops his nets, like, okay, let's go. 
Now, I, I think that's kind of cool, right? I don't know if that will happen to you tomorrow morning at work. Like, you're, you're, you're there doing your job, and Jesus shows up, and he's like, follow me. And you're like, yeah, let's go. Um, some of you think that would be awesome. Well, if he's doing that, then you're going to be one of his disciples, and you're probably going to become a pastor, so be careful what you say yes to. Um, but the flip side of that would be, man, it was so powerful because you got to know him. I think of Saul. Uh, the scripture talks about this guy named Saul who, on the Damascus Road, on his way to persecute uh, other believers, has this encounter, and all of a sudden now he gets a new name change, and he's the Apostle Paul, right? This powerful moment of finding Jesus. And all throughout scripture, we see that. So when I, when I say something like, man, the scripture's full of people who came to know Jesus and some pretty crazy stories, what, what biblical character or what account comes to your mind? The first one for me is actually kind of uh, interesting because it's somebody who actually walked with Jesus, who was a disciple, but I think didn't really get to know him until after his death and resurrection, and that would be Peter. He walked with Jesus. He was willing to fight for him. He knew the scripture, and Jesus was fulfilling it, and he still resisted a little bit of what was about to happen, but what I think drastically changed and shifted his encounter with Jesus was that after Peter had denied him, He's out fishing on the water, and Jesus calls the fisherman back in, and while he's there, he's preparing a meal for him. And I think he realized in that moment who Jesus was, the shame that he had walked through for the mistakes that he had made, everything that had happened in his life that he had seen. I think it was a revolutionary moment that was like, wow, this all-powerful God is still sitting here serving me, and I get to be a part of what he's doing. That's good. Pastor Matt, how about you? And I love the grace. There's countless stories, right, of the grace that God. Uh, Jesus has extended to Peter, to the woman caught in adultery. Like, there's countless stories of that. But the one that comes to my mind are, are the stories where Jesus tries to get people to open their eyes and see. So you see the religious leaders time and time again are seeing and seeing an aspect of Jesus, but yet choosing to reject it. And so there's moments where we can, we can know Jesus and we're faced with the choice of do I accept or do I walk away? But he's constantly showing and revealing himself to us and the way that we need it and the way that we see it um, so for the good and for the challenging. And sometimes it, we can walk away from it, too. Yeah, so all throughout Scripture, right, you see people finding and following Jesus. And, and, and that's really our heart. So how do, we, how do we get to know him? If we want to get to know him, then maybe we should take a few moments and look at his life. What, what was he all about? Right? What did he do? How, who did he surround himself with? How did he grow and mature? What, what was his life really all about? In the book of Luke, chapter 2, we see an early account of the life of Jesus as a, as a young boy. And uh, they found him, his parents found him, and he was in the temple. And he's sitting with the teachers of the time. He was listening and asking questions. How important it is for us to sit sometimes and just listen and then ask questions. Because if you get the word in you, it will flow out of you. Right? And so it's important to sit down, to take the time, to jump into the Word. And it, I, I love social media. I think, I think it's great when you can get on there and, you know, quote the pastor, you know, Pastor Matt. You know, you're like, oh, that was so good. That was fire. And, man, it was. Yeah, some, of my, some of my quotables aren't, aren't very good. <laughs> yeah, you could quote him on some of the other things that he said that you're like, mm, does he really love his daughter? I'm not uh, sure, Annalise. Right? No, I'm just that's, kidding. That's uh, a bit sus. Yeah, that's sus. Um, but, you, but you put it, and, and that's great. I'm going to let that one slide. That's great that we can quote it and post it, but can we live it out, right? There's a difference between quoting and, and action. There's a difference when we say, man, I want to be able to apply what I just heard to my life, and I want it to begin to, to do something powerful within me. I, I think about, uh, we were just at Hamilton, and, uh, you know, talk less, smile more. I wonder if it, their challenge to us would be uh, talk less, listen more, right? We have two ears and one mouth, and I wonder if that's a challenge to us to be able to listen and to just pause for a moment. Yeah, it reminds me of the scripture to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That's good. It's a powerful scripture, real hard to live out. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. But how much better would our relationships be if we took those, took those words to heart? Yeah, so what did Jesus do? He, he was in the temple. He was in church. He was listening, right? He was growing in knowledge. In Luke chapter 2, verse 49, uh, there were, the question was asked, like, Jesus, where were you? Like, we, we tried to go home. We forgot about you, and now here, you're here. And Jesus' response was, I have to be about my father's business, right? He was saying, it's, there's something larger at play. It's not my will, it's his will. And I wonder if that's a challenge to us today. What was Jesus really saying? He's saying, listen, the mission is so critical. This is where I needed to be. 
And I wonder if the mission is that critical to us, that this is the place where we need to be, that we need to just pause for a moment and be about the Father's business and say, not my will, but his will be done. And then we turn to Luke chapter 6, verse 12, and we see that Jesus went up to the mountain to pray. Right? Jesus was about prayer, and, and, and we see him fasting as well. Right? That's why we're jumping into 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're doing what Jesus himself did. So, so Renee mentioned it in our announcements uh, as we started service. We have, we have something brand new coming up starting this Wednesday, which is midweeks here at Radiant Life Church. Brand new classes. We have something for every age, right? We have, we have our uh, boys and girls. We have nursery. We have our teenagers, right? They gather over in the community center. And then our adult classes. We're at, we have three different electives you can sign up for, right? New year, new year, new you, new opportunities, Right, a new opportunity to grow in your faith, to know who Jesus is. Because if you want to get to know somebody, you got to spend time with them. That's right. Right, you want to get to know somebody, you got to be willing to spend time with them. you got to be willing to jump into the Word. you got to be willing to say, is this mission critical? What is my purpose? you have to be willing to listen, maybe worship or have fellowship. And so it's important for us right, to be able to just pause and say, God, I want to get to know you. And I have this crazy desire. I just don't want to, I don't want to just get to know Jesus. I want to be fully known by Jesus. Like, I want him to be like, man, I know, I know you and I know everything about you. And you're like, but he already does. Yes, but I want it to be known because I, not for accolades or so I can receive a trophy. It's because that's the relationship I want to have. I want to have a deeper relationship, more conversations, more listening. So I can be like, man, I want to, I want to get to know who Jesus is. So we have, who is Jesus? How do I get to know Jesus? And then our final question, Pastor Angel. How does my relationship with Jesus change my relationship with others? So how does Jesus change my relationship with others? So you guys have any examples of what that looks like for you? Pastor Matt, I'm going to let you go first. How Jesus changes my relationships? Yeah. I, so here, I grew up in the church, right? And so I've never known a time where I wasn't following Jesus. And there would be ups and, ups and downs on that. But I can imagine what my life would look like without Jesus. And it would be full of just self-absorption, living for me, living for the moment, doing what I want to do, not caring about anybody else. Um, and that's, that's a scary thing. Not to say I don't have those moments now, but, man, to think about what they would be without Christ guiding and directing my life, um, it would be a disaster. That's good. How about you, Pastor? I think for me, before Jesus, I would see people as something I can get out of them. And after Jesus, I see how I can serve them. Right? My, my lens or my filter, my view of people changed because I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I can be friends with that person and I can get something out of them. And uh, then giving my life to Jesus, I was like, wait, I don't, I don't want to try to force something out of them. I just want to get to know them and I want to serve them. And so there was a, a drastic change. When so now we get the motivation between Jesus. cleaning off the car. He was just looking for some smooches. <laughs> he was not getting smooches at that oh, time. Oh, no smooches. Angel's like, no smooches. <laughs> working for it though right (laughs) smart guy teenagers close your ears to that all right but the truth is we're sitting in this room and I asked that question and probably all of us can think of things in our life or situations we've been in that it's real quick to answer that and I think it's because our relationship with Jesus affects everything about our relationships with other people. Jesus genuinely changes everything about our relationships. And I think about that through the lens of, you guys have heard me say it a million times, but on my best days, I point people to Jesus. And on my worst days, I point people to myself. And when I'm pointing people to Jesus, that's where it's at, right? But when I point people to myself, that's when I start getting the way. That's when my responses start being about me, what I can get out of this, how I look, how I, again, that self-serving nature that we all tend to have. But as followers of Jesus, we're truly called to serve other people. It's not about that self-serve mentality. It's about serving other people. And I think about that account of the Good Samaritan. And for the sake of time, we're not going to dive into it in depth right now. But you can find it in Luke chapter 10. Um, I encourage you to look at it this week. But the short of it is there's a guy who's been beaten and robbed on the side of the road. And there's three people who should have known better that stopped and helped them. And they all found reasons why they shouldn't stop and help. Until finally somebody comes along who was of different race, different culture, different socioeconomical class. They should not have been talking to each other in that day and time and that era. And here he is stopping, seeing somebody broken, beaten down. And he's like, let me take care of you. And it wasn't just that he helped him. He went on, took him to the place 
bandages, bandages his wounds, gives him a place to stay, and then takes responsibility for it in a way that like, we need to remember how much it is our responsibility to love and serve other people. Because he goes on to say, and if he can't, let me know if he needs more. If I haven't paid you enough, hit me up. I'm going to pay that bill. I'm going to make sure that this person is taken care of. And what an example that is to each and every one of us. Because if we can do this for a stranger, how much more should we do it for the people we love? If we could do this for a stranger who is nothing to us, how much more is God calling us to love and serve one another who he's putting in our path? And it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes, which is found at the bottom of the Statue of Liberty. And I want to read it to you for just a moment. It says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Church, what would happen if we declared those words? What would happen if we declared those words and didn't just say them, but remembered to be intentional to walk those out in our relationships? Because too often I think it's easy for us to say, I want to have relationships. I want to have friendships. I want to make a difference. I want to be called. I want to be used by God. I'm all in. God, use me, use me. Here I am. And then somebody comes along who's difficult or who doesn't think like us, or who didn't respond the way we thought they should. And what do we do? Put walls up, close our hearts off, and go, okay, I'll wait for the next person. And yet God is saying, in every situation with every person, I want you to love them the way I have loved you. I want you to look out for them the way I have looked out for you. Because I think about Jesus, who his closest friends, the disciples, they couldn't even get it right. They were messing up, denying him, going off, doing things. They couldn't even stay awake when he's like, can you just stay awake while I pray? Just like, stay awake. Like, no, I'm taking a nap. His disciples couldn't even get it right. And yet those are the people Jesus chose to walk side by side with, shoulder to shoulder, sharing his most intimate moments with them. Imperfect people. And God is calling us to love people the same way because Jesus showed, showed us that how we treat people matters. And so with that, real quick, what is one time where somebody treated you well and it made all the difference in your life? Yeah, I actually can't think of a time where I wasn't treated well and it didn't inspire me to do the same, right? When someone does something kind to you, you want to you be kind back, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's the biblical aspect of reaping and sowing, right? When someone is kind, you, you want to show that generosity. I mean, I think about like paying it forward. So you're in line, you know, you're getting your coffee and you're like, man, I'm going to be kind. I'm going to pay for the car behind me. I, I've never seen anybody do it yet, so I think it would be cool to try if you want to, if this inspires you. Like, do you stick your head out the window and be like, hey, I'll pay for you if the car in front of me pays for me. <laughs> and then they pay for you, and then you drive off, and you go, sucker! Right? That, that's not the way it's supposed to work. That's not the way it's supposed to happen. Someone's generous to you, and you want to be generous back. Right? Even think about it. When someone smiles at you, isn't it hard not to smile back? When someone's like, good to see you, you're like, shut up jerk. No. Like I think about the guy at the giant eagle here in Wadsworth. Like when you walk in there, I'm cheap. I don't like to spend money. And I know if I'm going to giant eagle, I'm going to spend money. And so I walk in with my head down defeated. And all of a sudden that guy's like, so good to see you, sir. Have a blessed day. And you're like, yes, I'm going to spend $200 and thank the Lord. I love that guy. I don't know who he is, but if you know him, that guy is, he's got it. Yeah. We're going to have him out front holding signs one day. I, I just know it. But that's what happens is people inspire you, right, with their kindness. I, I mean, going off of that, sometimes we think it's big things, right, mm-hmm. that change, changes people's lives or just changes relationship. I remember uh, a couple months back, a young man in our church is going through some things and just struggling and, like, seeing, like, man, he's really progressing. He's making good strides. He's, he's uh, doing a great job. And I'm like, I, you know, I just need to encourage him. And so I just caught him in the hallway. I'm like, man, I, I see what you're doing. And I just want to let you know I'm proud of you. And uh, that moment, like, I got texts, like, days later of, like, how much that meant to him in that moment. And, like, it was nothing. I just said, man, you're doing great. Proud of you. Moved on. But for him, that was, like, a solidifying thing. And so we say all the time, like, see it, do it. But also, man, if you're thinking encouragement, don't hold that back. Like, extend that encouragement. As Pastor Lance said, like, so that. Um, oftentimes, like, we we are a generation, we're a culture that struggles with insecurity and need constant encouragement. 
what happens what happens if we were to sow that encouragement into other people's lives like the changes in relationships that that would make um yeah our relationship with jesus truly affects every relationship we have it affects your enemies because no longer do the people who have treated you wrong, who have gotten it wrong, who failed miserably, no longer when you're following Jesus you're in, is your initial response to retaliate, to win, to get ahead, to make sure that everybody in your life knows what they had done wrong. Your response is, well, that person needs the love of Jesus Christ the relationship with your friends, the relationship with your family, the relationships with the people you haven't even met yet, but because of how you're walking with Jesus, you are leaving a ripple effect around you that is impacting the lives of the people all over the world. That's what our relationship with Jesus does. But the most important thing is we got to have it. We've got to have that relationship with him, a real, genuine relationship, because the more we get to know him, the more we love him. The more we get to know him, we know how he's, he responds, and it teaches us then how to respond to other people. So we become a safe place for people to receive love. We become a safe place for people to fail around us and continue to walk in love, and that's mutual. It's not just like, hey, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a safe person for other people to mess up. Everybody on this stage needs to be surrounded by a room full of people that it's also safe for us to mess up. This is mutual. We are still working it out. We are all a work in progress who are going to get it right and we're going to get it wrong. But the end of the day is we need each other. All of us need each other. The mission isn't just relationships. It's real relationships. The world is real good at giving two-faced, surface-level relationships. The church needs to be people who are real, who are willing to say, yeah, I'm struggling. This is what I'm walking through, and I need you, and you need me, and we, we could do this thing together. We want authenticity and relationship that actually means something beyond the moment. And friends, we're not going to get it right. We are not going to get it right, and that's okay. You might be sitting here like, oh, as you're talking, I don't respond that way, and yeah, when somebody wrongs me, I got to make sure they know what they did, you know. Here's the deal. You are going to get it wrong. And that's the whole reason that Jesus came. He knew. He knew. He didn't think, I'm going to die on the cross and all these people are going to be perfect. That's going to be the moment where it's like, oh, all of a sudden. Because if we could have done that on our own, we would not need him. We would not need him to die on a cross for us. He knew that we would get it wrong. But if we are pointing to people to Jesus and not to ourselves, then it doesn't matter if we get it wrong because we're not trying to point them to our perfection. We shouldn't be trying to go, hey, look at me, watch me, I'm perfect, follow me, I'm, I'm the one. That's never the goal anyway. The goal of Christianity, the goal of Radiant Life Church is to go, hey, we're doing this thing together, we're all gonna trip and fall, and when I mess up, that shouldn't impact your relationship. And when you mess up, it shouldn't impact my relationship with Jesus. It should be a launching point where we go, hey, let's work this thing out together. I'm gonna help you drop, uh, dust off your knees and we're going to get up and we're going to be on the road and I'm going to help you and I'll be your crutches for just a brief moment because down the road, I'm going to be going through something that you walked through and I'm going to know how to help you out, right? That is, that is the church. That is who we are called to be because we don't shape other people to be like us. We shape them to be like Christ. I don't want 25 many angels. I don't even want my three daughters to grow up to be like mommy. I want them to grow up and stand on my shoulders and so far advance where I've been and where I've started and go further and farther and faster than I could. That's what we're meant to do for one another and to meet each other with the same love and grace in our strengths and in our weaknesses. You hear that? I think we hear meet each other with grace and acceptance about the mistakes, and we're like, yeah, I know. But guys, it's just as important in our strengths. It's important to let the people around us shine, shine brighter than us sometimes. Do things that maybe we have a desire and a passion to do, but God is using them right now. That's okay too. But to have that mutual love, that grace, and that encouragement, and cheerleading the same way. Hey, you messed up, that's all right, let's go. Let's start again. Today is a new day. Or you killed that, and I am so proud of you. And I love watching God move in your life because we truly are better together. It's not a slogan we say. It's truly the model that we want to live with. Christ was perfect because we weren't going to be. And friends, every external relationship that we have, every external relationship that we have is a direct reflection 
of every internal relationship and moment we have with Jesus. Our internal relationship with Jesus will be a direct correlation to how everything else overflows with us. And that's why we stay connected to him. It's why we ask these questions. Because at the end of the day, we need one another to find and follow Jesus. You know, today as we close, I wonder if I could just throw an extra question out there. How, how does a real relationship with Jesus last? Or maybe I'll ask it this way. How does any relationship last? I'm sure there's a ton of answers. But one that I want to share with you as we close is a relationship that will last will be selfless and not selfish. Selfless says, man, how can I serve? How can I love? How can I honor? Selfish, which we are all by nature, says, well, what's best for me? Right? How, what, what do I benefit or get out of this relationship? So as we close, I just wanna revisit those three questions. The first one is, who is Jesus? So who, who do you believe he is? Because it's the answer to that question that changes the course of history. Because if you want him to be savior, he can be. If you believe that he gave his life on a cross, that he paid the ultimate price for, for sin and death, and that because he's risen from the dead, we can live on in eternity, and then you surrender to that, and to the person of Jesus, that's a relationship. Saying, God, I want to follow you. I want to honor you with my life. And then how do I get to know him? If I give my life to him, how do I, how do I get to know him? You gotta answer the first question first because if he's savior, savior leads to surrender. Right? When I, I wanna honor my wife. I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna do whatever I can to please her and to say, honey, what, what do you need? This morning, coffee spilled everywhere, right? And I was like, okay, I'm just gonna clean up and I'm wiping the interior of the car, the cup holders, the floor, her purse. Not like, how dare you? No, you just serve. And so we want to get to know Jesus. We have to, we have to put some effort into it. We got to put some energy into it, right? You get some New Year's, some New Year's resolutions. Like I'm going to, I'm going to lose 25 pounds, but I'm going to eat two whoppers a day, never go to the gym. How many know that, that, that resolution is never going to come to fruition? If I, I have to put the work into it and it's no different in Christianity, you have to be willing to put the work into it. You want to get to know Jesus? You want to know more about him? You want to know about, more about his word? Then you got to dive into it. And also, when you know him as Savior and it leads to surrender, and how do I get to know him? He wants every part of you. Because you're like, oh, I just need him to fix the bad things. He's very good at that. But he wants every aspect of you. And so if you're struggling, if you're hurting, Maybe if there's a, a part of your heart that feels severed, maybe it's loneliness, maybe you're tired, he wants those too. Because not only do you have an opportunity to get to know him, he wants to get to know you. The story of the prodigal son, he, he waits for you to come home. And he sees you even though you may be a long way off. And that leads us to the last question. How does Jesus change my relationships with others. All I can tell you is try them and find out. Because it's crazy that enemies become friends. That the outcasts become insiders. Because that's what Jesus does. He changes our relationships with everybody. So here's how we're gonna close the service today. I'm just gonna ask you for a moment to close your eyes. And we're gonna end with the first question is who is Jesus? number of years ago, I, I remember that question. Do you know Jesus? Who is he? So if you want to know him, raise your hand. And, and I, man, that was, it was the most important question that I ever answered. And it was the most life-giving question. And if you want to get to know Jesus and you want to give your life to him today, whether you're online or in person, would you just slip your hand up? I'm not going to ask, come forward, do anything crazy. I just want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm gonna pray in just a moment with your eyes closed. Those of you who raised your hands, at the conclusion of the service, there's a QR code on the seat back in front of you. You can scan that and you can just click, I, I gave my life to Jesus. You just fill out just a little bit of information and as you leave today, we wanna to put 
a, a packet in your hand because we want you to we want to help you start strong. There's a Bible, there's a devotional, there's a little dumbbell in there with Radiant Life Church because we want we want you to start strong. And that's just our gift for saying we want to help you. It's our gift for saying thanks for your surrender. Thanks for saying yes to Jesus. The most important thing you will ever do in your life. So over this room, would you just join me in prayer? Father, today we're so grateful for you that we can enter into a life-giving relationship with you. It can be real. It doesn't have to be fake. It doesn't have to be far off. It can be personal. It can be personal just for us. You gave your life for the world. But if we were the only one here, you would have still done it because of the love that you have for us as your child. So thank you that we can say yes. Thank you we can admit our need. Thank you that, that we can have the faith to believe that you are the one true son of God. Thank you that we can confess our sins. And when we do, you, you, you give us grace and you give us mercy and you wipe the slate clean. Thank you that, that it doesn't have to be a slogan. It doesn't just have to be new year, new us. It can, it can be, man, a fresh relationship with Jesus and the newness that that brings on a daily basis is so life-giving. So thank you that we could experience your power and your presence. So Holy Spirit, help us to be more like you. Holy Spirit, help us that when we leave this place today, we wouldn't point people to ourselves, but we would point them towards you. So Jesus, thank you for all that you've done and all that you're going to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. As our time comes to an end today, I wanna remind you that, that over the next three Sundays as we close, it'll be a little bit different. Typically we're like, yeah, go, and loud music comes on and you can talk and, and we love that. But what we're gonna ask is our board uh, and uh, staff to come forward, just spread out over the altar space. And so this music will continue to play in the worship center. And if you have, you have a need that you just want someone to agree with you in prayer, just come find one of these amazing people that will be down front and they'll, they'll pray with you. As you leave, just remember then to be quiet. And as soon as you get past the doors and the doors shut, then you're like, yes, now we can hang out. We can have fellowship time. For those of you with kids, make sure you have your sticker ready so you can pick them up. If you're a guest, we'd love to chat with you at the, the Welcome Center and put one of those new awesome RLC mugs in your hand. But, but as we kick off 21 days of prayer and fasting tomorrow, we're starting today because it is a real relationship with Jesus. He's a real savior and he wants to meet your need. So just remember that. So as we close, go in his blessing, go in his, his favor. And I hope that you, you, you just ponder those questions, who he is, how do I get to know him, and how does he rechange my relationship with others? And if you need prayer, please come on down front. We'd love to pray with you. Thanks, God bless you, and we'll see you back here next week.